Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Raptors Cage Reaction Podcast, joined by Daniel Reynolds of Raptors HQ. And Daniel, get ready, because I'm about to say something that cannot be said very often, and it's, <laughs> it's exciting to be able to say it, but the Raptors have won game one, 134-110. to 110. Uh, How's it feel to, to win game one, I mean, for, uh, for one of the very few times in our franchise's history? It's funny. I feel like we should just be a little more relaxed about it by now. I mean, I know last year, even though they won the title, they still managed to lose that game one. But now it's, it seems like that's just it's just buried and done with. I mean, they're just a better team in this series, even with some shaky play in the middle there. They're still going to they still came out on top, of course. Yeah. And I mean, it, it probably it probably has died down by now. And maybe I'm just <laughs> the one going crazy about it. But uh, I mean, yeah, like. After last year, we won game one against Philly and against Golden State. and But, I mean, this still is only the second uh, round one game one victory in the franchise's career, which is pretty crazy because I think they've made the playoffs quite a number of times. I don't Do you know the exact number of years we've made the playoffs? It's got to be around maybe 10. Off the, off the top of my head, well, I guess this – this I think it's like 11 times now. Uh, I can do the math really fast. What's it been, six years in a row? Or is that seven years in a row plus – one, two, three, four, five. So yeah, eleven, I think. And yeah, considering eleven out of eleven times they've only won twice, it's not a great ratio. Yeah, no, and um, it's kind of it's kind of like we had like the shaky third, and typically as a Raptors fan, I would feel very nervous about that third quarter. Even even the team last year that had Kawhi, and we were clearly better than this team. I I would have been my hand would have been twitching out over over a third quarter like that. But since that championship, me and I'm sure every other Raptors fan, like our confidence is just sky high, e- even when things aren't looking so great. I think yeah, you hate, that's exactly it. And I think it's funny. Uh, the reaction now kind of flips the other way. And what ends up happening is we got a little, we got a little cocky and people online were sort of saying, well, let's settle down. Raptors fans we are getting a little too full of ourselves here, but that's exactly the spirit right now. It just feels like this team is, confident and capable and we saw it today where you know the, the game kind of got a little dicey there the lead shrunk down to eight or nine points and the nets you know credit to them they were hustling they were going but in the fourth quarter what happens the raptors just put it together again and they go back up by 20 plus points and as you've mentioned uh like this raptors team and then the raptors team of last year which obviously fairly similar teams minus Kawhi. Um, and Danny, I guess, but like, they've given us a lot to be confident about. And it's like, I just, it's so funny though, heading into these playoffs. Like I had a conversation with someone and it somehow escalated into which LA team would you rather see in the finals where in past Raptors years, you know, you're like heading into round one. You're like, this is why we have you Kawhi so we can beat the magic. (laughs) Yeah. And it is kind of funny to consider how the perspective shifts where now we're not even, not that we're not, you know, not that we're completely looking past the Nets. And obviously, this is a very bizarre postseason, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But we are very much going, okay, what's going on in the second round? What's going on in maybe the third round? Like, we're already, and as you say, LA teams are coming up. We're already talking about the finals. Obviously, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but it sort of speaks to that level of confidence where it's like the Raptors could beat and can beat any team. Uh, and now they just have to go and do it. How um how did you find like these playoffs? I mean, or I guess just these game ones today, because obviously they're not near as exciting without the fans. But how have you how have you found them so far? Well, I mean, the bubble basketball in total. I mean, like it, it's kind of a bizarre. I mean, the NBA the presentation has been they weren't kidding. It, they the NBA has gone to great lengths, and you saw it sort of gradually improve 
in terms of getting all the atmospheric effects and the sounds and the music so that you can almost kind of maybe forget that like there's no fan there are no fans there there's no crowd uh you know i kind of like that there's some additional space around the court you know i uh, and originally when i was saying that i i didn't like the fake crowd noises i i i'm kind of okay with that now, i kind of find it balances it out a little bit and it kind of remind, it keeps it so it's not completely like they're playing in a in a bunker somewhere so i i'm 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 kind of i'm on board with it obviously i i miss the playoff crowds there's nothing that replaces that but i mean given the situation right now the fact that this system is working as well as it's working, I mean, you got to give the NBF, uh, you know, some props for that. I was, I was with you heading into this thing. I was like, Oh, please no fake crowd noise. Like if we're not going to be playing in front of fans, let's just make it raw. Let's just, just hear me, Mm -hmm. show me what, what's going on in the court. But thinking about it now, if there was none of that pumped in noise and and music and everything, it would actually, it would, I think it, it would make it a lot more boring. It's, it's boring is one part of it, but it's, it's just, it's hard to get like, it's hard to sort of put your finger on it, but like obviously that's where you don't realize what you have until it's gone in this case. Right. Like the, the, crowd, the crowds aren't there. All of a sudden it's like, yeah, I mean, I've been to basketball games. I mean, I, I think many people have maybe seen uh, various levels of basketball. I've been to summer league games where it's like, you know, you go to where the crowds are just not there. The, the attention is not there. The energy is not there. And like the vibe is different. Because, of course, the, the, the purpose for those games sometimes is, is a little different. But here you're talking about, like, this is, the, this, is, this is the highest level basketball. And part of that is the, you know, the crowd scene. So to not have it would be is disappointing. But obviously to not have anything, to not have any sound or anything, yeah, it probably would throw off the whole experience. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously every single basketball fan is with me on this. We would rather this with no crowds than no basketball at all. So uh, the NBA has yeah. done an absolutely amazing job putting this whole thing together. And the TV presentation, as you mentioned, it it actually is really good. And, um, yeah, except I was... for those camera angles, except for those cam- those weird camera angles they bring in every so often. I don't know why they keep doing that. but The, the ones at the, the sideline? Yeah. Periodically, I feel like every generation, the, the NBA keeps trying to come back to those courtside camera angles, and it never quite works because you can never quite see the all the court. But setting that aside, it's good stuff. I'm actually kind of happy you said that because it seems like a lot of people just really like them because I guess they really? it, it brings them back to that one All Star game where they they always show those clips uh, of. But yeah. yeah, I'm not I'm not about it at all. Like maybe as you said, just periodically for like five seconds of a possession but it's it you can't see the whole court and if there's someone tall standing right in front of the, where the camera is you yeah. can't see anything else so yeah yeah i don't know i mean yeah i'm not a big fan uh but either way yeah at the nba has done uh definitely a fantastic job putting this on uh mm-hmm. to the game itself uh i mean kyle lowry scored <laughs> no yeah. that's a that's a very uh that's a oh. very very cheap analysis um i mean fred van vliet was the player of the game and sure he like it's actually crazy because heading into this, we were like, you know, how are we going to have offense if, you know, if Pascal and Kyle play really well, let alone if they play bad. And I know it's Brooklyn and it's, it's an easier first round matchup, but man, like Fred really has shown his increase in his range and uh-huh. his, uh, it, it, his three point shot is just, he can really shoot it over defenders a lot better, like yeah. contorting his body. I don't know. Like, how <laughs> what did you uh, what did you see out of Fred's game that you liked today? Well, you you said it right there. I mean, obviously uh, he's not going to shoot eight eight for ten from three in every game, but the fact that he was you know a lot of rhythm shots, a lot of like seeking out like relocating, finding his place, a lot of confidence with the dribble. There was that great step back he hit three, and then yeah, then a couple of finishes where he was going right into the teeth of 
the Brooklyn defense and and getting a, getting a, getting a, getting a layup up faster than Allen Jared Allen could sort of re- react to it. I mean, that's no small feat. And uh, you know, the, again, you're not going to see eight or, eight of ten, but the fact that the Raptors can sort of throw the ball back to him, and they kept making a joke in the broadcast that that uh, that you know Lowry was hunting for those assists, trying to find Van Vliet on the perimeter because he knew he had the hot hand. And I think that's that speaks to both of their abilities. The fact that Lowry would know, hey, you know what, he shot something like three for ten from three or three for fourteen, I think, for the game. Um, you know, Lowry knew to find Fred, and Fred was then the guy that was getting it done. And and I think. It speaks to their ability and sort of the, the the general tone of the Raptors right now, the way they're playing. And that's part of what makes this team so amazing is they understand that they're a collective and they have to win by committee and score by committee. And Pascal, Kyle, the guys who are, you know, the team's all-stars aren't afraid to to pass the ball and share the wealth if other guys are hot. You know, like OG hit a couple big threes, Fred, mm. uh, Mark, honestly, if, if we can get this type of scoring game out of Mark consistently, like yeah. this, this is great. Like no one's asking him to average 20 points a game like mm-hmm. he did in Memphis, but at least took eight shots, took four threes, like just the willingness to take shots because he's a good scorer and a good shooter and he finished with 13 as well. I, I think, yeah, what you're seeing from Gasol is, is exactly what you want in terms of, like, he's aggressive. And, again, the Raptors need him to to punish teams that sort of sag off because, of course, they, they need the space for, for Siakam to work, for OG to find cutting lanes. And I think you, you said it there, too. They were running plays. I mean, OG had a couple of nice – he hit one, he missed one down the stretch. He was huge down the stretch, I felt. And he was really the key to a lot of the Raptors' defense – uh, defensive pressure, and so was Gasol. But what's, what a luxury it is that they could play Gasol for just 20 minutes. He, he yeah. played five minutes in the second half. Now, part of that was sort of game planning around what, what, what the Nets were doing, but it was also like they didn't necessarily have to go back to Gasol to put this game away. And Ibaka, I mean, he was having a great game too. So there you go. And that that was really nice to see out of Surge because he struggled mm-hmm. early in the bubble. He had a couple nice games. Uh, I believe it was Memphis and Mil- mm-hmm. the team. He was great in the that. scrimmages. He was great in the scrimmages. Mm-hmm. That was, was funny. And then the bubble started and he was kind of so-so. Yeah. And then he missed the last couple of games due to yeah. uh, that, uh, the I guess, the small injury he had. I'm, I'm guessing yeah. it was very minor and it was mainly just mm-hmm. precautionary. But, yeah, he came out with 22-7, and seven, 8 for 14. And he really – you can tell right off the bat with Serge when he's engaged and when he's not. And Serge came in firing. I believe he, like – Hit a, hit a post hook or something and then hit a three yeah. like right as soon as he came in. And you can tell like when Serge gets those first couple of shots in, his energy yeah. defensively and on the glass, it all it all groups together. He was he was solid. There were a couple of plays here and there, but for the most part, you know, yeah, you, the jump hook, the big boards, the big the big play on the glass. He was adv- taking advantage of the fact that at some points he was being guarded by you know Kuricks and it, like sort of guys that really shouldn't shouldn't be in a position to have to try and guard Serge Ibaka. And then yeah, the three was going a little bit, and he was hitting his he was hitting the jumpers. I mean, when that you're you're right when he hits a few and he starts to feel himself a little bit, you can really see a difference in his confidence and his willingness on both ends to play aggressive and smart. And uh, like it's it's a nice sort of again a nice luxury for the Raptors to have where they can they can bring him out there and and, and he really can affect the games game in a lot of ways. Yeah, and I and I kind of touched on this yesterday when we recorded the series preview was this is a really good series for Serge to get mm-hmm. going because their backup center is like 
I mean, Lance Thomas, Justin Anderson, or maybe even just like Kuruk sliding down to the center. Like Jared Allen's the only center they have. So Serge is either going to be able to play up against a tired Jared Allen or one of those guys who are much smaller than him. And it Uh it should be a good series for him to get going. And another guy, it really should be a good series for him to get going is Pascal because they, they don't have a guy who should be able to match him. I think Kuruk's is probably the best guy as far as a mix of speed and, and length. But I mean, Pascal, still kind of struggle today I mean he still finished with 18 and 11 which I think that really speaks to how good he's gotten to the point where we say that's like a really poor game from Pascal but I guess what did you uh what kind of stuff did you see out of Pascal are you uh kind of worried going forward maybe well I said this in my recap I'm I'm not it's not a bad game from him I I think the the biggest issue is his efficiency obviously I mean he takes 13 shots shoots 30 percent or 31 percent uh, you'd let, I mean, this is a guy who at one point was like a, was like a walking bucket. You get the, you get the ball to him within 10 feet of the net and he's getting like a spin, a layup, you know, he's, you know, he's going to the line, something. There's something here where I don't know, he, he just hasn't found his touch again around the rim. Uh, he's, he took a few threes, he only hit one. He got to the line a lot, nine times and he hit all mm-hmm. nine. So that's good. Uh, and that, and that's something he absolutely has to keep doing the aggressive, the aggressiveness and getting, you know, putting teams in, in foul trouble and forcing them to try and defend him. That's a big thing. So that's good that he's doing that. And 11 rebounds, obviously, you can't, can't get mad about that. It just feels like there are times, especially, you know, he's getting switched on to, like, Joe Harris or whatever. It's like, he should be cooking that guy. Like, that should just be – that should be an automatic – the Nets have to double team. They have – it's a huge problem. It, and, and it generates something for the Raptors, either an easy bucket, a foul, or, or, a, or a three opportunity, which – Again, that happened a couple of times, but it feels like there's it feels like Pascal's leaving something on the table. That's that's basically what my takeaway from game one. Yeah, to me, it, it kind of seems like he's rushing things in a sense. Like he sees a guy like Joe Harris or a guy like Lavert or TLC get on him, and obviously uh-huh. a mismatch because he has the size advantage, and a lot of the time he even has the speed advantage over those smaller uh-huh. guys. And you know, he just tries to play at a hundred percent and finish through at a hundred percent, like a guy like Russ or a guy like LeBron would. And uh-huh. for as good as Pascal's been, and as much as he's improved, like that's still not his game and people like to kind of go at him for not posting up but that really is still like one of the best parts of his game is posting up Mm -hmm. the smaller guy being able to back him down use a spin move use a kind of a post hook like he's still not that's probably where his biggest struggle is is being able to face up from the arc and move at a hundred percent and then either stop on a dime for a pull-up or or finish around the net and I think that's where what he's trying to do and Mm -hmm. I, maybe maybe he can do that even this year, but he he just needs to get those easy buckets, those slow ones, to yeah. kind of get him in a rhythm and get him going. And I think this point has been made like that's obviously been the 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 hole in his game, so to speak. Like obviously he had a good he had a good post game. He worked hard to develop his three point shot because that's obviously very important now in in the NBA. But that in between game has never really been a strong suit. And like every time we've seen a little bit of the fadeaway and the jumper and the elbow play, you know, you, you need him to have that bag of tricks because obviously teams are going to sit on him in the post and they know how to defend him in the post. You know, you can put longer guys on him, you double team him, And they even now are maybe not going to feel that threatened by a three point shooting. So it's that, that making them pay in other places on the court, that's always going to be the risk. And for the Raptors, I mean, this is where they really miss uh, Kawhi, where, you know, when they needed to get a bucket, he could just march down the floor, never mind a three-point shot or even getting, you know, to the rim. He could just march down the floor and literally just get to the elbow, shoot a jumper, and, like, it felt like it was going in every time. Whereas Pascal, if he's shooting an elbow jumper, 
that usually means it's not a very good position, which is a big difference. Yeah, and the good thing is, I mean, I'm predicting a sweep here, so he'll he'll have yeah. three more games of yeah. quite easy matchups on Brooklyn to kind of get in rhythm and get going. Uh, because th- this isn't going to be a series where we're going to need him to like go nine for ten with like 28 points, mm-hmm. and I'm I mean maybe Brooklyn takes one if he continues to play this bad because I doubt we get that type of performance out of Van Fleet every game. But even then, I think Pascal could kind of play like this in the Raptors sweep. But this is a good opportunity to get him going because, you know, Mm -hmm. next round against Boston most likely, or even if it is against Philly, there's going to be a bigger, much better defender on him. And if he's not in rhythm, if he's not hitting his shot, if he just simply doesn't have confidence, it's going to hurt the Raptors a lot next series. So I think... Getting him going, getting him scoring, will do a lot more for the Raptors' future, mm-hmm. as not as much in in this current series that we're in. Yeah, that's exactly it. If they end up playing, you know, the Sixers or the Celtics, I mean, my my money's on the the Celtics right now. But that's exactly it. You, there, you're going to be playing against some some talented wings who are going to try who are going to try and outscore the Raptors. And uh, you know, Siakam can't you know he can't half it. He has to go all the way on this, and so. Yeah, I hope hopefully this gets him going in terms of regaining whatever confidence he needs, or 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 going back to what he's the best at, which hopefully that's what he does. Yeah, and I guess transitioning more into the Brooklyn side of the game, I'm really happy that the Raptors got matched up with the Nets round one. I just I didn't want to see Orlando again, and I sure as hell did not want to see Washington. Um, so I like I'm really happy because one thing about this Brooklyn team, as much as they aren't super talented especially with how depleted they are in the bubble mm-hmm. they just they give it and they never give up and that kind of is what sparked their third quarter run was the, i mean they were down by what like 22 at half and a lot of teams <laughs> coming out of the half no crowd to hype you up at all yeah. i mean you can just be depleted and and not show any effort but i mean they fought back and i think they pulled it within what like eight or seven like the, the lead shrunk to yeah it was down to about eight i think and uh and that was after the raptors had gone up by 33 in the yeah. first half i mean it, yeah, they got a lot of fire i mean they're playing in a lot of cases right you, you look at this team obviously you know who's on the roster you know who's coming in next year Kyrie irving and, and kevin durant and and even guys like spencer dinwiddie and uh you know there's a lot of talent and, and some veteran guys that will take take roster spots. So you got a team that's trying to show that, hey, look, we can play too. And a guy like Karis LeVert is a perfect example of that, where it's like this guy is kind of getting lost in the shuffle here because even when those guys come back, where what's his place on the team when you're playing behind all those other names? What, what you know? So the fact that he gets to be the main guy now, you could argue that if Karis LeVert is your number one guy, maybe you're not a very good team. But you can't say that he's not working working hard to try and get something here. And he had 15 assists on the day. I mean, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, and I I like I noted Karis LeVert right out of Michigan. Like I knew he was going to be a good yeah. player, and he he was like the favorite throughout the until he got hurt last mm-hmm. year to win Most Improved until Pascal mm-hmm. kind of took off. Like he's a very good player, and even today, the Raptors, you know, in a sense, really did shut him down. He only scored. 15 points but 15 points is still solid especially when you couple it with 15 assists like he's a he's a really really good player and uh, we didn't see a lot of OG on Karis and I think Nick Nurse doesn't really want to show his hand in any sort of defensive matchups or any sort of strategies he just kind of wants to play the net straight up not show Boston or Philly or Milwaukee or whatever anything that he wants to do and I mean Kyle Lowry does a great job on Karis he's a great defender like one through nine the Raptors are fantastic defenders uh I mean 
Timothy Luau Cabro, he's been great this entire bubble, and he played another really good game today, scoring 26. I mean, there's a guy, going back to what I was just saying, there's a guy who's like trying to prove, like this is a guy who's on the margins of the rotation, like in Philly or wherever else, and he's trying to hang on to an NBA spot. And, I mean, obviously he's he's given re- teams a reason to give him another look because, I mean, this is a, some dynamite shooting, and he was all over the court, it felt like. Uh, and just to go back to Levert real quick, I'll just say the Raptors had this sort of game plan around him. I mean, really, that speaks a lot to where he's at right now, the fact that like they were the defensive strategy was sort of, changing based on what he was doing they were trying to they were trying to push him they were getting up right on him one-on-one then they were sort of trapping him a little bit and pushing the ball out of his hands higher up to get the, to disrupt that pick and roll I think that sort of speaks to where Levert's at right now and uh, I mean obviously Cabro Luau Cabro benefited from some of those swing passes going his way six for six of nine from three I mean that's pretty impressive yeah and he's a guy who was on a two-way contract at the start of the year and then at wow. the, on that January kind of conversion date, he uh, they picked him up and they signed him. So I think I think they even signed him to a ten day at first, and then they converted it to like a, a rest of the season one. So he's really someone mm-hmm. who's trying to prove that he belongs on an NBA roster on the Brooklyn Nets, and I, he's done great this entire bubble and this first playoff game he played really well. Uh, and then I guess Jared Allen really is the only other one who's a real threat. I guess Joe Harris can can really shoot, but I don't know. I just uh, he's never overly done it for me if that just is very lazy analysis but he, he is a great shooter but i don't know i, I i'm out of, i don't care about joe harris so let him hit his <laughs> a few threes ever since that game like a million years ago where he hurt kyle lowry like accidentally but because he was trying too hard i'm just like yeah get this guy to my face yeah he hit some threes good for him he's getting better whatever he yeah. actually is going to kill the raptors in one of these games somehow. oh totally and I'm, I'm just like, I'm already like, just, I'm just, the fact that everyone's going to be talking about Joe Harris just making me feel crazy. But anyway. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I really do like Jared Allen though. And I mean, a lot of Jared Allen's force or kind of imp- imprint on the game is on the defensive end. And I mean, as long as the Raptors have Marcus all stretching the floor or uh, kind of controlling the play from the top of the key, Jared Allen isn't in the paint to be a rim mm-hmm. protector. So that really kind of just removes that aspect of him off the floor and then offensively he's just really like a a rim runner a lob catcher and he can rebound because he's tall so he shouldn't be too big of a threat in this series especially defensively because Nick Nurse talked about it and it showed today and it's kind of really showed since Marcus Gasol came over to the Raptors that he likes Marcus Gasol controlling the play at the top of the key he likes him stretching it out and he likes him shooting so yeah I mean that's basically what I have to say about Jared Allen I don't know if you have anything else well, I mean, yeah, he's not going to win a matchup against Gasol. He he, uh, he played well, but I, again, it's it's more just that he's he's just a, a bit of a limited player offensively, and and the things he does really well, or or will continue to do well as he as his career improves, etc. You know, they're, they're useful, but they're only useful to a point. And you see someone like Gasol and even Ibaka at, at, at center as well. The 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 variety to their game in terms of. Hitting, hitting outside shots, uh, making passing reads and stuff. I mean, it, it changes. Although, actually, no, sorry, that was the wrong stat. I thought for a second that Jared Allen had four assists, but he had four turnovers, which is not great. Oh, just throwing shots, eh? Uh, no, no, he's a very nice guy. He <laughs> no, actually seems like a very nice guy. I, Jared Allen seems like a really cool, nice guy. I'm pretty I, I, but, sure uh, he built his own computer. Was that? Oh, really? Wow. I think I think that was like a, a thing that they noted about him on draft night, and yeah. for some reason it's just stuck in my head. The only NBA player I can remember being a big computer guy is Andrew Bynum. If you want to, if you want to know the truth, but that's it. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know why that sticks in my head. I just remember him yeah. getting drafted, walking across the stage in his fro, and yeah. uh, like whoever it was was like, yeah, he built his own computer. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then Norm, Rondé, they look good in their limited minutes. Um, I, I think Norm will get more as the time kind of goes. And Terrence Davis actually looked really good, and he played 12 minutes. And there was a lot of kind of talk about, you know, uh, looking kind of shaky in the bubble. He for he was like the guy who was noted as, this is our eighth man. He's better than Rondé. He's better than Matt Thomas. He's better than Boucher. And then the bu- those eight games in the bubble, and everyone was like, yeah, he's probably behind every single one of them now. But uh, I was still on the Terrence Davis as the eighth man train, as the eighth best player on the team. Him and Rondé kind of switching, what, depending on the situation. Mm-hmm. But Terrence mm-hmm. Davis looked great today. You know, I think this is the kind of play they'd like to see from him. He's not going to play a lot of minutes. So it's like you're going to take confidently take threes. You know, don't screw up on defense. Get out in transition. You know, you don't have to do too much. I think that's the big thing with rookies and, and, and a guy like Davis in particular. It's like you, you, we know you want the ball in your hands and you want to try and make something happen. Uh, you don't have to do too much. And it's the same with, with Hollis Jefferson, who I think, you know, overall is maybe – not as big of a long-term uh, uh, project for the Raptors, but obviously has uh, some skills that sort of, and a little more uh, stability, if I can say that, if I can use the word stability around Hollis Jefferson. But you know what you're going to get with him in mm-hmm. terms of his defensive effort, his sort of chaos energy he brings to the game. Uh, yeah, his lack of shooting, but at least you, you, you're sort of a quantifiable figure. Davis was sort of all over the place this season, but obviously the upside there is is, is definitely high. So these kind of things, these kind of reps, you're talking about getting a chance to, for guys to get out there. Yeah, seeing Davis come in there when the game was sort of semi semi on the line and he hits a big late clock three and then he makes a couple of nice plays in the fourth, that's good. Like that's that's something you can put on the resume and say, yeah, you did that. So, you know, maybe next time they can shift up and maybe he gets a, an earlier shift and he gets to be a little more involved. I mean, it's good. Are you uh, Are you projecting a sweep in this? Uh, yeah, I mean our our official Raptors HQ prediction. Uh, my guy John Godas wrote a wrote a, our series preview. He picked Raptors in five, and I think most people are sort of hedging and saying, "Yeah, there'll be one game where the Nets will get hot, or they're they'll you know they'll they'll junk it up and they'll and they'll and they almost to be honest with you, they almost did it today. They'll junk it up and they'll win a game, or the Raptors will just kind of fall asleep for a game. All of that sounds very reasonable." But part of me is just like, you know what? They would have got a sweep last year against the Magic except for one defensive miscue. And I feel like their talent level and their discipline and their defensive skill and their offensive execution are high enough right now that like even half speed, like even half speed, there were chunks of this game where even at like half speed, they were still capably handling the Nets. I, 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 it would have to be a, a total collapse for them to lose a game at this point. That's what I'll say. Yeah, that's the that's the old Raptors spirit of unconfidence trying to trying to shake its way back in. We yeah. uh, we need to get it out of here. Yeah, but yeah, I just I can't see a way for Brooklyn to win this game with how strong defensively we are. And as we mentioned, even with a, a weak offensive performance, I still think that our defense is more than good enough to clamp up, especially on a team like Brooklyn, where their best player is, and no discredit to him, it is Karis Levert. And yeah. So yeah, I just I, I think it'll be a sweep, the first sweep in Raptors franchise history. Uh, don't want to celebrate, don't want to celebrate too prematurely, but uh-huh. uh, I'm uh, hopefully looking looking forward to to experiencing that. Uh, Daniel, was there anything else about this game that stood out to you that you want to touch on? I just wanted to add again, we're also underrating what Nick Nurse is doing and how he's Facts. calculating everything, and I think that's a that's something where yeah, the Nets they got the jump on the Raptors a little bit. But I have a hard time believing that they'll be unprepared for whatever else, you know, for something else the Nets might do. Or 
they'll be surprised by anything in game two. That's my that's my other my final takeaway on that. And I'm so excited to kind of watch Nurse coach through this postseason like we did mm-hmm. last year. And obviously more of the adjustments and more of the kind of finicky game planning will come in the later series, probably even just in in round two. Um, but yeah, I mean, between Nurse and this defense and how many weapons they have offensively for guys who can go off for 20 plus points, I just, yeah, I, I think this will be a sweep. Uh, Daniel, you want to shout anything out real quick before we head out? Obviously, we still got all our coverage going on on Raptors HQ. So, I mean, I'm going to I'm gonna pump that up. All our guys are working at full speed. So, we'll be covering all the games. You can follow it at Raptor, Raptors HQ on Twitter. And uh, I'm at AKA underscore Reynolds. Those are my two spots. Yeah, and then as always, hit me up on Twitter at ZachWilson50. That's 5-0. Uh, follow at RaptorsCage on Twitter and then go to RaptorsCage.ca. They got content coming out. I'm sure there will be a post-game reaction or coverage after this one and then some other stuff. And, yeah, go check out the Playgrounder podcast. It's my other NBA pod. And, Daniel, thanks so much for coming on. We'll have to do this again sometime. Right on. Thanks for having me.